listening to Everyday Conversations, a podcast by the Gospel Coalition Australia. Following Jesus is a whole of life pursuit. As friends talk and share and learn and ask, we pray that you would be encouraged to think deeply. Ray, well, it's great having you on this podcast. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, Arcos. Now, Ray, the topic is conflict in church. And as we were explaining a moment ago, uh, there's no need to make or try and make this relevant. I think everybody listening to this podcast uh, has either had conflict or will have conflict in the past. Well, what do they uh, say? The church is like a, a whole lot of porcupines thrown in a suitcase. And... Uh, and uh, it gets prickly there. And conflict <laughs> is the natural outcome of sinners saved by grace. <laughs> oh boy, is it ever, is it ever. Um, now, Ray, you've, been, you've obviously been in ministry for a while. You've got a great deal of experience leading a church, leading MBN for many years. Uh, what are some of the ways that you've seen conflict handled badly in your experience between Christians? Well, I think I'm just gonna shoot out points. Uh, so I could tell stories, but I'll just shoot out points. Yep. When you have harsh and angry startups, I think the Gottman Institute said that about marriage conflict, which is true everywhere. Um, uh, speaking with tones where there's impatience, anger, frustration, just escalates the issue. Defensiveness, you get passive aggressiveness and avoidance, sarcasm and cynicism. When your body language is, you know, the rolling of the eyes. I heard someone the other day, uh, a close friend of ours, uh, the person was thinking uh, in an area that was really concerning me and they were, presenting arguments on why same-sex issues were consistent with biblical framework. And, you know, I'd really crushed the person by the, just by my body language and the tone of my voice. Uh, and, and what I did was, if I could just keep on with that example, I trivialised the argument. Now, I, I didn't feel the weight of the argument, but I shouldn't have trivialised the argument. I didn't take it seriously. I, I you know, dismissing the person or their idea or caricaturing what they're saying. Um, for others, it, it, it can be contentious. I'm not normally looking for a fight. It's not my thing, but I know some people want in the argument rather than the, than the soul. Uh, sometimes that's me. Actually, that's more, that is me, but it, it tends not to be my default clause. I'm a people pleaser, so that's my problem. Judging other people's motives constantly gets in the way. Uh, and if ever you, you've had that happen to you in a conflict, it escalates it. Um, Sometimes people have stayed so vague or they drill down so deeply in the issue that, that it both, both actually presents their own problems. Uh, just unable to receive feedback. You know, there's a toing and a fro yes. when you're having a conflict resolution. Yes. Refusing to own your, uh, your own mistakes, even if you think you're only 40, you know, 10% of the issue. Yes. Uh, blaming others, you know, you made me feel this. Um, exaggerating, you always do that. It's, it's yes. exactly the same in marriage as it is in every other conflict. And then, of course, just avoiding people. <laughs> Uh, and, and that's in some ways the worst of all. Would you say, Ray, that um, in churches, I, I think as a culture, maybe uh, broadly as an Australian culture, but it but, you know, carries over into church as well, that we don't do conflict well in the sense of, um, like in my experience, I think conflict avoidance is probably the biggest one. Yeah. Um, we're just too afraid to raise a particular issue that might cause controversy with someone else. Um, and, and so we stay silent yeah. and we don't say anything. Because there's an uncertain outcome 
Yes. And our commitment to ourselves is greater than our commitment to be at peace with other people on God's terms. Not that fake reconciliation that happens. Now, I know, maybe we'll say it later, you know, the proverb that talks about it's to one's honour, you know, to let things go to the keeper. That's the Australian version of it. Yes. <laughs> you know, you've got to do that. Otherwise, life becomes really frustrating. But yes. um, that it's a, it's a particularly middle class way of handling conflict, that polite niceness. Yes. And uh, it's just, it's deadly because it can't be dealt with. I prefer someone in my face, aggressive, than that passive aggressiveness or that polite kind of distancing, that, that slow kill of the relationship. Yeah. When you know there's something wrong and they've already judged that well, you're not going to change. So I've already made the decision for you that you're not going to change. You're not going to yes. accept how I feel. So I've already made the decision. So I'm not even going to come to you. Yes. As, as, if, as if that ought to be our criteria. You, it's, yeah. Being reconciled, it's, just, it's so uh, counter the gospel where God came into this world, took the initiative to reconcile us to himself at his own expense through the blood of his son and then calls us to be at peace with all people as much as it depends on us. I mean, once you hear those two statements, you, you've got to deal with stuff. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So I guess these are, these are excellent points that you've raised in terms of how Christians handle it badly. Um, what about in terms of sin? So how does that, our sin make handling conflict difficult if we delve down and understand the sin aspect of it? And by the way, everything I listed, I've done to a greater or lesser extent. <laughs> so that we're clear on that. Yes. Um, I think pride, it lies, you know, Augustine was right, is the mother of all sins. That spirit of demandingness that we have, you know, I yes. demand to be treated a certain way. Um, with that self-centeredness, you know, um, makes me the center of my story rather than God's glory and his outcomes. Yes. Just think, be at peace with all people as much as it depends on you, which I love because it means I can't demand, I can't create reconciliation, but I have to do everything towards it. And so, um, but me being committed to myself, avoiding conflict and not wanting to be shouted, you know, wanting to, you know, life is difficult when you engage in conflict. Sometimes you, you get to hear stuff about yourself you don't want to hear. Um, it can reinforce the wounds that someone who already caused. So uh, my commitment to my comfort and, and uh, protection is greater than my commitment to the other person and our relationship. Then, of course, you know, I think when I, the sin of not having your identity in Christ, I know that's a, an elusive concept. So, you know, I, I always get it and lose it, you know. Yes. But I can't receive negative feedback and I can't struggle here to hear how I went wrong if I'm not clearly identified in Christ, you know. Yes. If, I, if he's not enough for me, then, then I need to avoid conflict. I, I need to avoid negative feedback. And you can't engage in resolution unless you're prepared to receive negative feedback. And then self-righteous, you know, forgetting that I've got a plank in my eye and you've only got a speck in yours. Because you think about it, I, I'm with me 24-7. I know far more, far more of my sins than I'll ever know of anyone else. And yet I always respond on the basis that they've got the plank and I've got the speck. And I think that's why I love Jesus' statement, which is both funny, you know, seeing two guys come towards each other, one with the telegraph pole out of his eyeball and the other one, <laughs> you know, a splinter. And, you know, so you're trying to move the, the, uh, the telegraph pole out of his way so he can reach for the speck. Like, it's actually quite funny, but yes. um, absurd as well. I wonder if there's um, self-delusion there as well, Ray. You betcha. That's, that's what self-centeredness is. You have a distorted view of reality. Yes. You're myopic. You know, you just see the world from your perspective as though you were God and omniscient. Yeah. Yes. So there's that lack of, that's very good, Arcos, that lack of humility, isn't it? That, you know, 
the Bible is infallible, but my perspective isn't. Even if I'm in a situation, I'm not infallible yeah. because I've, I've stain still sin still stains every part of my being, even though I'm a child of God. And part of that is, you know, some, particularly, I think some people really battle. I've got to get justice. That justice is higher value than reconciliation. Yes. And so, and then that's why we go and gossip and bad mouth and send nasty emails to people. Uh, or, or prayer points that are loaded with, because we want to get back. We want our pound of flesh. Yes. Um, and, and what's that? That's all about me. I, I can care two hoots about God and his glory. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's sort of almost captured in that, uh, you know, that saying or that term victim, victim mentality. Um, I, I wonder if you'd speak to that for a moment, Ray, in terms of what, what a victim mentality is and, and how, how it plays out in relationships. I would, but that wasn't one of the questions you gave me. So, so. <laughs> I just wonder that idea of not being willing to take responsibility for yourself and seeing everybody else at fault. I, I, yeah. know, I know. It's, every, it's everyone else's fault but mine. Look, there are genuine victims. We've got to understand, when yep. we talk about conflict, there's, there's normal conflict and then there's abusive relationships. Mm. If we don't distinguish that, and, you know, there's, we... we, we at MBM, we love to talk about healthy, unhealthy marriages and yes. toxic marriages. Yes. Um, you do not approach a toxic marriage in the same way you approach an unhealthy marriage. We're, we're, we're all moving between healthy and unhealthy marriages, right, say, or yes. healthy and unhealthy relationships. Then you're in a toxic, abusive relationship. That, that requires a, a different set of principles as well. Yes. Um, and, you, and, and I think it's worth saying that, actually. Yes. So there are genuine victims, but at the same time, we want to say there is a culture... We didn't need an ideology. We already naturally do it. Yes. It's everyone else's fault but mine. Uh, and, and I keep telling a story where, er, that where I'm always the innocent one and everyone else is the guilty party. And let's face it, you know, I've never been in a situation like that. <laughs> I mean, it's classic Genesis 3, uh, Adam and Eve, you know. Uh, she made me do it, says Adam, or the serpent, he made me do it. Blame shifting, yes. And, and males, we've got a particular art on this. You know, we, we've, we've cornered this in a particular way. <laughs> yep. Wow. It's, it's owning our volition out. You know, that be at peace with all men as much as it depends on you, that I'm responsible for what I've said. Uh, and so it, it's worth saying hurt people can hurt people, right? Like we know that from our wounds will come uh, our sins as much as uh, empathy or whatever. So, so we've, we've got to acknowledge that, that uh, we're vulnerable in that, in that sense of, of being distorted in our view of a situation. Yes, yes. And I, I think what you've just said is a nice segue to the next question is, what are some ways that Christians handle conflict well? What are, what are some points that you've uh, picked up over time, both from scripture and in terms of your experience? Well, you tend to have better examples on the negative than the positive on this one, unfortunately. But anyway, yes. people yeah. who really want to come to the table and deal with the issue, I mean, that's yes. not avoided. So, uh, and come in prayer uh, and, and come, you know, either... I think uh, there's a lovely article by Tim Keller and he talks about whether Matthew 5, someone, you know someone's got something against you, you leave your gift at the altar and you go and fix it up or, or they've sinned and sinned against perhaps you in Matthew 18. Either way, you go and you go on your own. You try to deal with it. Now, you wouldn't do that if there's a bullying, abusive scenario when yes. you go on your own. That's a different case. But in normal circumstances, you go to the person, whereas our, we always go to other people. Um, now, yes. that's all right if you keep them anonymous and want wisdom on how to tackle it. Yep. So that's, that's good thinking. I love it when people say, look, I've got a situation. I won't mention the person's name. I'm just trying to work out how to resolve this issue, how to speak to them. 
thinking yes. that's godly. And of course, you don't want to do that on every issue because like Proverbs 19.11 says, it's to one's glory to overlook an offence. Eh? Like, yes. You've got to let things go to the keeper, otherwise you're a pain in the neck to live with. Um, <laughs> and well, anyway, and, and then coming to the table, wanting to love the other person, um, thinking the best of them. I think we too quickly go to their heart and judging them and condemning them. And so that's a heart yes. to do, you know, uh, which means then even if they're not responding well, your heart will be exposed by how you respond to them not responding well. I always yes. think that's the best way to test your motives. And then come to the table knowing you're a sinner saved by grace, so are they. We're both sealed by the Spirit. You come to the table quick to listen, slow to speak. Now, here, I'm going to give everyone a tip that I got from uh, a dear brother who worked with me called Ray Vasalo. This is yes. the best tip you'll ever get. When you're in, in, a, in a discussion with someone and you've got a conflict, and like we've, we've had, you know, with COVID and staff, you know, we're having thousands of meetings and the, the goalposts keep shifting and everyone keeps shifting their point of view and so forth. And then tensions can rise. What we worked it, what, what Ray would say is, what is the thing the other person's trying to guard? Because chances are you want to guard that issue and value it. And I have found, so we had a this discussion at church, I'll be honest, it was about whether we're going to use Hillsong music or not. Yes. Okay. And uh, we strong convictions on either side of that. But what I did with another brother, uh, I said, look, it, it, you know, it got a little bit tense. I said, I will, I will attempt to explain what you're trying to protect. Then I want you to tell me what you think I'm trying to protect. Yes. And we both got it right based on how the other person. And well, that, that just laid a now platform to have a healthy discussion. Yes. Otherwise, if you don't feel like the thing you're guarding is valued, you just go further apart from each other and you're not hearing each other. So quick yes. to listen and hear the the value that they're trying to go. Because if it's another brother or sister in Christ, chances are you want to, you want to support that. And then empathise with that, you know, and empathise also how what you did could have hurt them, you know. So yeah. you may not have meant it, uh, like with my friend who I, uh, when my wife and I were at dinner with the friend who is, you know, considering another view of sexuality on the Bible, which obviously is a big issue and presses every, you know, like a, it's a significant issue. But, but I did need to own, and I did need to understand the rolling of the eyes, the dismissiveness that I said, yes. can you be specific with me? What was it that I did that, because I wasn't, I apologized in the thing for, I might've come a bit too strong, but they were devastated. They were like, wow. And the thing is, it got in the way of what I wanted. See, what did I want? I wanted them to align with God's thoughts. My manner had further alienated them from doing the very thing I wanted, which was what I was so upset about. See how, we get in the way of the con and, and it's actually as pastors, that's what we're to teach. Well, anyway, teach with great patience. <laughs> so, but when it's kind of personal, kind of, you said this and I empathizing with, okay, I can see why what I said, even though I didn't mean to do it, it yes. wasn't intentional. I want to, I still want to affirm that, but I want to say, look, what I said, I can see how it hurt you. Yes. And I'm really sorry for that. I, I, I shouldn't have done, you know, whatever. So it's the idea of, of uh, it's not just what you say, but also how you say it that uh, has a massive impact on the other person. And, you know, speaking honestly and specifically, but not rudely, and like, uh, you know, like the blame, you, you made me feel this, or you all, you know, the exaggeration, you always, you know, this is a classic marriage thing, but it happens. <laughs> when it's repeated behaviour, we just then say it's always happening, you know, and 
Yes. But, but uh, you know, I know it's a bit cliche, but the I statements, you know, when you did that, I felt this. Yes. That, that takes the judgment out of the motive. It, it, even, it even, you know, it stops you blaming the other person. It says, look, there's a correlation here. I need, I need to let you know. This yes. is how I felt when you did that. Uh, and I'm not saying you meant it. So you actually give them the benefit of the doubt. You're saying, well, I'm not saying you meant to do it. Yes. But, um, yeah, conceding that. And then, of course, speaking with gentleness and respect. You know, 2 Timothy 2.25, I remember reading it as I was having debates with some Jehovah Witnesses. And it's about, you know, uh, being gentle with, and respectful with false teachers. Uh, and, and perhaps God will grant them repentance. Yes. And the connection there is critical because my gentleness and my manner is a theological statement. If I believe God is the one who brings repentance, and there's a re reformed believer, I believe that, yes. then it's not my mode, my influencing capacity, it's actually God. Therefore, I ought to betray that truth by gentleness and respect. But, um, but if it's repeated behavior, it, you know, it, it needs to be dealt with as best. But you know why? Not for your sake, actually for their sake, because you want them to grow in godliness. I think we, we keep forgetting when we're hurt, we shouldn't be reconciled so that they can just stop hurting us. We actually need to be jealous for their godly. It's a discipleship moment. Yes. We want them to be more like Christ. And Now, understand, it could have come because they're exhausted, sick. They've got three kids under three. They've been in COVID. They're stressed to the max. So sometimes you want to put pain in, its, you know, in context. Yes. Other times, uh, uh, um, there's issues that you're unaware of, you know, that you discover, oh boy, you know, that they've had a breakdown in another relationship that's overflowing onto me. And, yes. and I, I'm the whipping boy for their other issues. And I, okay, I can understand that. Okay. And, and you, you, what I find is that, and in marriage, you know, when a conflict's resolved, don't you feel much closer to your spouse? It's almost, oh, worth, it's almost worth having the conflict, but only if it's resolved properly. Yeah. Um, but that's as much as it depends on us. So, Yeah. Well, Ray, thank you so much for your godly wisdom and counsel on this. Uh, whoever's listening, if you're in a conflict situation, as Ray said, always firstly take it to our Heavenly Father. Uh, be sure to pray. Um, and, and then have a listen again to the counsel that Ray gave, but certainly doing it face to face, uh, laying out, I guess, the facts of the situation, then sharing your emotion, uh, but doing it with a view to reconciliation and doing it for not just your own good, but for the good of the other person. Uh, there's some awesome wisdom uh, in this talk, Ray. So thank you so much for sharing once again. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Everyday Conversations. You can find more information about TGCA at au.thegospelcoalition.org. Follow TGCA on Facebook and Instagram for the latest content.